Welcome to Coffee and Jesus. I'm your host, Chael, coming to you from Texas. It is July 30th, 2020. I'd love to tell you the story of Ezekiel. Now, those of you who are not familiar with the Bible or who are baby Christians, new to the Christian faith, you're going to think that I'm making this story up, but I assure you that I am not. This is one of the craziest stories you will ever hear in your life. Uh, Stephen King, Shakespeare, they have nothing on God as an author. So this is the time where we are looking at the the 12 tribes, and they were united as a kingdom for about 110 years under Saul, David, and Solomon. We know that Israel was basically in the north, Judah was in the south, and during this time, prophet Ezekiel, he was studying to be a priest, but the good old Babylonians came around and took him and everybody else captive, so he really didn't get to fulfill his calling or his desire to be a priest. Now, as an educator, I can tell you that everybody learns differently. I am a visual learner like Ezekiel. Some of you are auditory learners, which means you like lectures. You want to hear books on tape. Others of you are kinesthetic. That means you have to be doing something with your hands. You have to be moving to learn. Well, Ezekiel was very visual. And so the Lord gave him visions to get the attention of God's people. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the knowledge of the word of God. I'm going to give you a brief overview of the different sections of Ezekiel, and then we're going to break it down. So chapters one through three talks about the personal commission of the prophet. Chapters four through 24 is a national correction of the problem. Chapters 25 through 32 is talking about the international castigation or castigation of the people. And then from chapter 33 to the end, it's more like eschatology, um, the conciliation of God's purposes. The author of the book of Ezekiel is Ezekiel. It is written to Judah, and the purpose is a warning. It shows us how the Lord orders historical events so nations will know that he is God. So why am I talking to you about a very obscure book that most people don't read? Because it parallels a lot of what we're going through right now. Did you hear what I just said? That this book shows how the Lord orders historical events so nations will know that he is God. In chapter one, Ezekiel lived in Jerusalem. And as I said, he was captured by the Babylonians. He was supposed to be installed as a priest on his 30th birthday, but that did not happen. He began to have very strange dreams, very strange visions. He saw an appearance of the likeness of God's glory in a very specific way. And it, you know, it kind of shook him up a little bit. Chapters 1 through 11, Ezekiel was commissioned to warn the people because the people were worshiping other gods and there was social injustice. Doesn't that sound like 2020 to you? It does to me. Ezekiel was told to act out Jerusalem being sieged and bearing Israel's sins. 
God told him that no one would listen because Israel's heart was hardened. And don't you find that now that people aren't listening to you anymore? Next, he saw a vision of the temple. He sees um, women worshiping a Babylonian god. Israel's idolatry has driven God away. And God promises, though, a remnant that he will return. And so there is hope. One of the visions that he saw was a map of two roads. So Ezekiel draws a map of two roads and they start out in the same country. There was a signpost that marks the place where the road branches off. One road led to war and another road led to war with another group of people against Judah and Jerusalem. The king of Babylon at this time stopped at the fork in the road to seek which direction he should go. And he actually cast lots, which is what today we would call dice, and he consulted idols. Now, this is symbolic of the lot being Jerusalem. And the king set up ramps and the siege worked. Now, Jerusalem will be destroyed, and the people will be taken captive. You know, Father God is just like your dad. He's going to give you some chances, and then he's going to give you some consequences. There are many parables in Ezekiel. So let's look at, <coughs> excuse me, the parable of the wood and the vine. This is symbolic of the uselessness and judgment of the people of Jerusalem. There's the parable of the adulterous wife. This is symbolic of Jerusalem's betrayal and God's love and compassion. There's the parable of the eagles and a vine. King Zedekiah's rebellion led to the destruction of Jerusalem. Then there's the parable of the fiery furnace, the siege of Jerusalem through which God pours out his wrath, then purifies his people. You know, you purify with fire. The parable of the two prostitutes. He symbolized Samaria and Jerusalem as adulterous. There's a parable of the cooking pot, which is symbolic of God's cleansing of Jerusalem's impurities. So in chapters 12 through 24, it talks about God's judgment on Israel. And he uses the parables that I just spoke about along with poems to compare Israel to a burnt, useless stick, a rebellious wife, a dangerous lion, and promiscuous sisters. Ezekiel believed Israel's judgment was deserved. Now, in chapters 30, 25 through 32, excuse me, talks about the judgment on the nations. At this time, Israel is allied with Egypt and Tyre. And God says that they will be brought down by Babylon. And so we have another parable of the shipwreck judgment on Tyre. And then in chapter 33, Jerusalem falls. In Ezekiel 34 through 37, a new David is prophesied, which will be a catalyst for a new Israel. 
Here we have the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. Israel's spiritual state is represented by these dry bones, exile and death. But the word, God's spirit, over the bones, comes together and makes a person by divine breath. And let's just stop right there for a second. Because within this Valley of Dry Bones and all these parts coming together through God's spirit by divine breath, is symbolic of Israel's spiritual renewal. We can take that a step further and say that all those body parts need to come together in order for them to function as a whole. And so within the body of Christ, within the church, we need the five-fold ministry. We need the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. In chapter 34, the parable of the shepherds and the sheep, is symbolic of the worthlessness of Israel's leaders. And that's why, you know, I've said it on podcasts before. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican. It matters that you're a Biblican and that you know that God is the ultimate authority in your life and that he is your provider. He is your source. In chapters 38 through 39, we have hope for the nations. God defeats evil among the nations. And we get introduced to Gog and Magog, which is the archetype of human rebellion. There's so much rebellion right now. There's rebellion against school systems, against political leaders, against businesses. Where, you know, children are rebelling against their parents more and more. You name it. Gog is defeated by God. Gog is representative of earthquakes, fires, and a struck down field. Chapters 40 through 48, there's hope for all creation. There's a vision of a new temple that is larger and more majestic. And God's throne chair from the beginning of Ezekiel returns. God's presence returns to his people in a messianic kingdom. And the book ends with the Garden of Eden imagery. The Lord is there. So when God returns to his people in the Messianic kingdom, that is when Jesus comes back to reign over the earth. So the major points in Ezekiel are this. God judges sin, which he's doing right now. God has ultimate control, which he's showing you right now. You've had many plot twists. He's the author. You are not. There's hope for God's people, even after God's judgment. Just like your earthly father forgives you and he still loves you. Same with our heavenly father. And finally, God promises to live among his people. The Holy Spirit is among us now. Jesus will be returning soon. And we will be living with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth. So I hope you learned something new today about Ezekiel. And I didn't even tell you half of the stuff that happened in this wonderful book because it's just too crazy to even try to explain. I want you to read it for yourself. It's really an interesting, interesting story. And I hope that you will take the time to read it. 
Now I am looking for a quote and I'm going to see if I can find it really quick because KSBJ, which is the local radio station here in the Houston area, posted something about Ezekiel the other day and I thought, you know, that's a good word right there and I need to share that with the people. Well, I may not be able to find it, but while I'm scrolling, could you figure out the parables? Did any of that make sense? What I just wrote or said to you? Um, I hope you can see how it has something to do with today. Because it, it really, really does. It's just insane what's been going on all over the earth. It makes no sense. But like I said, God is in charge. And he's showing us that he's in charge. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're not in charge of anything. He is in charge. We need to stop trying to rewrite the Bible and take the pen away from him and just let him do his thing and submit and surrender. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees things that you and I don't. So we just need to submit and surrender and repent and repent of our sins. I know people don't like that word sin, and yet it is a reality. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We are all in need of the redeeming grace of our Heavenly Father. I hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast on Ezekiel, and I'll be back soon. Bye, y'all.